Bible says you are, you've been translated or transferred from the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says, into the kingdom of the Son of His love, the, the, Jesus. And so there are two kingdoms. It talks very clearly about that. There's only two, and they don't get on with each other at all. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, you have been taken, the Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And so a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how the Bible shows us we can, we can protect ourselves by taking up God's armor. We can protect us against the assault of that enemy kingdom in our life. And that happens in a whole range of ways, like as Paul shared before about fear comes against us, intimidation, temptation, you know, sickness that comes and, and attacks us. Now, I'm not saying all sickness is caused by the devil, but some sickness definitely is. The Bible is very clear about that. There's a whole range of things that the enemy will use to try and drag you back down and try and rob you of your effectiveness, of your fruitfulness, and of your joy in doing the work of God. And so this morning, I want to continue that on a little bit. And uh, rather than talking about protecting ourselves, I want to talk about how you can win against the enemy and be on the offensive because I don't think it's enough for us just to defend our little pet patch of turf. God actually wants us to be on the offensive. And uh, as someone, a famous man, just uh, said some time ago that, uh, you know, our mandate is to plunder hell so that we can populate heaven. Who believes that? Our mandate is to plunder hell so that we can populate heaven. Who believes that? That's a bit better, yeah. That's, I believe God has given us that mission to do that, to be able to do that. And so that means that there are times when we're going to have to get on the offensive and uh, let the enemy know where to get off. And so I believe that we can defeat the enemy. You can tell him where to go. And I'm, I've given this message a title, which is it's language that I don't normally use, this particular language, but it might work for you. I don't know. But this message is called, Get to Hell Out of Here. It's how you would talk to the devil. <laughs> you like that, don't you, Mel? <laughs> Get to hell out of here. Because some... I, I, I don't talk like that myself normally, <laughs> but... But sometimes you've got to talk to the devil and tell him where to get off, to get lost, to go away from your mind, from your body, from your thinking, from your destiny, from all parts of your life. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Here's our key scripture for today. And it says, give yourselves completely to God, stand against the devil, and the devil will run from you. The devil will run from you. That's pretty clear, isn't it? The Bible says if you submit yourself to God first, that's important, and resist the enemy, stand against him, he will run away from you and hide. Now, I love what it says in the Amplified where it says, so submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he'll flee from you. You know, some people might say, well, I don't even believe in the devil. I, I, I don't really believe in the devil. It's funny, you know, of all people who are, uh, believers or followers of Jesus uh, in Australia. Uh, in, in fact, this is uh, around the world. This is in, like in the US as well. And um, I haven't got the figures right in front of me now, but it's, it's funny. More people believe in God than actually believe in the devil. 
I find that quite funny. Like something like 60% of people believe in God, but only about 40% of people believe in the devil. It's funny how we don't, we don't want to believe in things that we can't understand or handle or we think might be a threat to us. But I want to tell you today, friends, God is so real. He's, he's as real as the person sitting next to you right now. He's as real as the chair you're sitting on today. God is real and the devil is real. Heaven is real and hell is real. And we need to understand that we're in a conflict and, and God has got a great plan for your life. So I, I love this uh, in the Amplified. Submit yourself to the authority of God. Now, uh, as, I, as I read that uh, just a couple of days ago, thinking about this, um, that, that, you know, when it says submit yourself to the authority of God, uh, how do we do that? Well, it's obviously the authority of His Word, you know, obeying the Word of God. But it's also the way we relate to one another, isn't it? Like the Bible says, submit yourself to the, the powers that be or the authorities in our, in our land. And even, even in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, submitting yourself one to another. You know what? I've, I believe, friends, that submission is a radical, revolutionary act. The devil doesn't know anything about submission if he had, he wouldn't have been kicked out of heaven. When we, when we submit ourselves one to the other, what's happening is we're talking a language the devil doesn't understand. He starts to get nervous. That's why submission is a good thing. It's an act of spiritual warfare when we submit ourselves one to the other in the fear of God, the Bible says. Now, I'm not going to really get into that too much today. But I want to say when independence and rebellion against authority is widespread in our culture, submission is a revolutionary thing. And we should, we should uh, rejoice and be, be glad about that. Uh, so the number of principles I want to share with you today that are powerful on their own, but you put them together and they become uh, really uh, the force for change in your own life. What happens when you, number one, have faith? The first thing is faith. Now, faith is listed as a part of the armor of God to protect yourself, actually. But it's also a weapon, a weapon against the enemy. Listen to this scripture uh, that it says in 1 John chapter 5, Everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Why is faith so important? Friends, I tell you why faith is important. What you believe is really, really important because the enemy, the devil, spends a whole lot of his time trying to convince you that God is not real or trying to convince you that what's actually a lie, that that's true, to try and distort the truth, to try and, uh, you know, uh, get you off track. That's why what you believe is really, really important and it becomes a weapon against the enemy. It's... Um, you could say this morning that faith uh, is something it's not necessarily intuitive or it's, it's hard. A lot of people struggle with this. They, really, they, they don't want to put their trust in something that they can't see. You know, we, we're like Thomas sometimes uh, who said in the New Testament, he said, um, you know, unless I can see the nail prints and put my finger into the nail prints in his hands and, and, and put my hand into the, the wound in his side, I will not believe. Thomas said that. And maybe you've been a bit like that today. You've said uh, sometime in the past, I, I will not, I cannot believe. You want to see the evidence first before you can really believe. But you know, you know what all that does, that scripture says to me? It just proves how that faith is a decision of the will. It's something that you decide. 
You decide to believe. And you can decide not to believe in something else. But I want to encourage you this morning, friends, decide to believe in what God says about you. It's so important and so powerful when we get that into our hearts. Faith is a choice in our life. You know, after Jesus died and and rose again, the disciples, his disciples were in a bit of a quandary. They, they, didn't, they didn't really know what to do for a while. And so they're sitting around saying, what are we going to do here? Uh, Jesus wasn't with them at that time. So, the, so Peter says, I'm going fishing. He, he, did, he went back to the natural thing or, or the thing that he knew most. I'm just going to go fishing. So they said, oh, oh we're going we're to come too. So, so they got a boat and they went out on the lake and they fished all night and caught nothing, which is what can happen sometimes. In the morning, they're coming into shore and they see this shadowy figure on the beach and they figure it's Jesus on the beach. And he calls out to them, did you catch anything? Uh, no, no, we didn't catch anything. We've been working all night, didn't catch anything. Funny, since they're professional fishermen. And um, Jesus says, put the net out on the other side of the boat. And they're thinking, hey, listen, we, we are commercial fishermen. We've been doing this all of our life. We know there's nothing out there. They put the net on the other side of the boat. Let's read what it says. In um, John 21, throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now, here's the thing. Their information in their minds, the facts that they knew based on their knowledge and experience, was shouting in their heads saying, there's no fish out there. We just know. We've been fishing all night. That's what they had, the facts and the knowledge and the experience. But Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth said, put your net out there and you'll catch some fish. They did, and that's exactly what happened. In fact, they couldn't hold the net in. There were so many fish. So you've got, we've got to understand this morning, friends, that the truth supersedes the facts in many situations in our life. And we need to know what the truth of God's word is in our life. I've shared before how that God blessed Dell and I financially um, some years, probably 10 years ago, uh, when we didn't hardly have anything, you know, in the way of finance and and we were just trusting God. And he gave us the capacity uh, at that time to do some investing, which we did. And uh, uh, he gave us the confidence and the courage and the capacity to do that. And, and we did. It was a lot of hard work, actually, but we, but we did it. And God blessed what we were doing. He blessed what we were doing. It was remarkable, you know. And so um, having faith in God doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything. Sometimes you've still got to go through the process and do it. But God will bless what you're doing if you have faith. And when you do that, you are defeating the enemy when you have faith in your life. The second thing I want to share with you today is about what happens when you start speaking out in your, in your faith. Because I believe that God has given us something, a tool in our toolbox that will focus our faith, focus your faith like a laser beam. It, it just, just makes it sharp against the enemy. And it's like turning up the volume from 2 up to 10 or turning up the heat or you know, increasing the power level or uh, turning on the turbo boost, or, or, or hitting the NOS button, if you're really into that sort of thing. You know, where, where is Peter Moore? I'm looking for him. 
over there. I knew that you would know about that. Some of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. But, but you're sitting at the lights and this guy's beside you there and he's been annoying you for so long and you just know that you need to deal with it. And, and so you've got your finger on the NOS button there and you're just waiting for the right moment to hit the button and he hasn't got a chance, you know, so you're just moving forward. Um, that's what, what I'm talking about right now is a way to help you focus your faith and increase its effectiveness dramatically. And it's when you start articulating or speaking it out. Because you can believe something all your life until you start to speak it out. Not much might actually happen. When you start to speak and articulate your faith, you give power to it. You, give, you energize your faith. It's a principle in the Bible and it works two ways. Number one, Saying again the same thing that God says. There's a word in the Bible, the word confess. Now, I know it's a bit of an old English word. It's a bit of a legal term. But when you, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He takes the words that we speak and he brings them before the throne of God and they become powerful in the heavenly realms, you know. But uh, the word, when that word confess, it means that to say again, literally when you unpack the word in the original language, it means to say again the same thing that God has already said. So what happens is you are getting on board with God's word. You are coming into alignment with what God says. You're lining up your focus and your life and your words with what God says. It becomes powerful. And I believe that his word in your mouth can be as powerful as his word in his mouth. You can be creative, like God said, let there be light, and there was light. And I believe that he wants us, you and I, to be creative in the same way. And I'm not saying you're going to go and create another planet or something, but I'm saying that you can be creative in your circumstances by understanding the power of the Word of God in your life. When, you, when someone gives their life to Jesus, says, say the welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it, get this, and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between him and me. You know, that's powerful. When you start to say those words, say it right out loud. I believe it. You know, another translation says, if you, if you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That, that's power in that confession. There's power in those words when we get on board with what God is saying in our life. So say, saying the same thing that God says is really powerful. Then the other side of that is uh, saying a different thing. Now, I, I know I'm not talking about different to God. What I'm saying is if you're going to speak God's words, if you're going to speak the words of God into your situation, very often you'll have to say something that's very different to what else is happening around about you. You might have to speak something different to your circumstances. You might have to speak something different to what other people are saying around about you at the time. You might have to say something different to what you feel like at the, at the moment. So it's not only saying the same things, it's also saying different things. Sometimes you've got to stand against something to speak the Word of God into your situation. It made me think about Gideon and, um, in the book of Judges. 
And if you know the story of Gideon, all he could think of, I mean, the, the, the nation of Israel, they were in a bit of a mess. They were, they were an occupied country, really, at that time. And, and all around them was uh, enemies that would come in, these marauding bands would come down and every, all the time and, and just robbing the country and, and so on. And, and Gideon, uh, he was so fearful. Everyone, they, they just, they had no energy. They had no capacity to resist the, the enemy that was coming against them. And in Judges chapter 6, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. It's interesting that Gideon was thinking that he was the least of the least at that time. In fact, it says, if you read the a verse a bit later on, it says that, you know, my family and my clan is the smallest in all of Israel, and I'm the least in my father's clan. I mean, it's not, not a very good place to be in. God just, God picked the one who was considered and considered himself to be the least powerful and the least significant and the least capable to lead anything, how could he ever be a deliverer for Israel or for a whole nation? And God said these words, mighty hero, first words, mighty hero. Are you, are you, who are you talking to? Like someone over there, not me. God says that over us sometimes. He doesn't look at you and, and, and address you as what you are. He speaks to what you will be. He speaks to what he knows your future is. What he knows your destiny is. That's how, and he speaks those words into your life. God speaks to what he wants you to be. And he says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. What I love about that is that when God says, the Lord is with you, everything changes. Everything changes. You know, you don't need to be fearful any longer. He's with you, standing right beside you. I, I preached on this once before. And I, I, I remember I, I told the story of, of, the guy, of a couple of kids playing at the beach, you know, and, and some bully comes along and you know, kicks sand in their face and, and, and the bully's there and he's, he's, he's uh, just intimidating them and uh, the, the kid's father is sitting up there, sees this and he just walks down, you know, and uh, just walks down, sort of saunters down towards the action down here and the bully just takes off. You know, when the Lord is with you, you don't need to be afraid. You do not need to be afraid of anything. The Word of God. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse seven, 17, it says, Take the mighty razor-sharp sword of the Spirit, sword of the spoken Word of God. That's it, the focused Word of God, the spoken Word of God. You focus God's Word when you speak it out, when you start to declare what God says about you. Third thing, what happens when you pray? You know, we've talked about having faith. We talked about focusing our faith by articulating, speaking it out. What about when you pray? What happens when you pray? And I'm going to touch on this this morning because in a few weeks' time I'm going to uh, speak on this at more length. But Ephesians, the next verse, 6, verse 18 says, Pray passionately in the Spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times and pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. So it's interesting that it says every form of prayer. There's lots of different ways to pray. And uh, again, we'll address this in a few weeks' time. But um, here's a couple of, couple of different ways to pray. Firstly, blessing. That's, as it says there, you know, pray the blessing of God upon all his believers. You know, that's powerful when you do that, when you speak blessing over other people. 
when you declare the blessing of God and you pray the blessing of God over other people's lives, something happens because God is using your words. To, God has always wanted to bless. He's always wanted to, to, re, to restore. He's always wanted to raise up. He's always wanted to bring his goodness and his life and strength and health. When we, when we speak his blessing, you become an agent of change. You become an agent of God's uh, provision and favor in the lives of other people. So we should always be looking to pray blessing over people's lives. And um, another, another form of prayer is a request, bring our requests to God. Because, you know, he actually says to do that. He asks us in Philippians chapter 4, says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, uh, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's asking us, he's saying to us, ask me for things. God is saying, ask me for things. And so uh, that's, that's what any parent would do. They want their children to ask them for things. You know, ask the Father. And he says, something's going to happen when you do that, when you bring your requests before God with thanksgiving. And uh, I thought of Matthew chapter 7. Uh, it says, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. And then in verse 8, for everyone who keeps on asking receives that that word in the original language is like in a uh, a present continuous sense in other words it's it's a, a request that keeps on just keeps on going uh, that's why it says ask and keep on asking uh, and what's what will happen is you you will receive now, sometimes we we give up because we don't have the persistence and the diligence and jesus even told a story about this in in uh, luke chapter 18 about someone who kept on asking and kept on asking and, and they got the answer. It says, that's the way your Father in heaven works. Sometimes you've got to ask more than once. It's not wrong to do that. It's very interesting that in this passage here in Luke, in Matthew 7, there's two very strong words. The word ask and the word receive are both very strong words. That word ask, it means to put a demand on the grace of God based on a covenant. Now, in other words, not because you deserve it, you're not asking God because you deserve it, but because of the covenant that he's made with you where he said, I will provide for you. I'll, I will meet your needs. I'll be your provision. I'm, I'm Jehovah Jireh. That's my name. The God who sees and seeing will provide. That's, it's a, a, a putting a demand. And it's interesting. When you look at the word receive, it's, it's even stronger. It's actually a military term, which means to actually take what belongs to you it means to seize and to take for yourself, like, like taking over some territory. What it really means is that I, I'm going to receive this aggressively. God is wanting you to have that kind of mentality and understanding, not to cower down in fear and say, oh, would God really want to bless me? Would God really want to give me anything? You know, of course he would. He just waits. It's his good pleasure, the Bible says, to give you the kingdom he wants to bless you. And it's, that's why we should ask and keep on asking until you receive from God. It's powerful when you pray. I, I love uh, Acts chapter 12. When Peter was in prison and they knew what had happened uh, previously, one of the other leaders of the early church um, had been put in prison and actually had been, his life had been taken. And so now then Peter was put in prison and they knew what was about to happen. Um, in a few days' time. So it says the church met together and they prayed continually for him. 
continually. I actually like this scripture because some people say that if you ask once and you keep on asking, it shows you you didn't really believe you'd received it in the first time. Well, look, there's, you, there's a case for that. You can argue that. But this, this scripture shows kind of the opposite. It says the church kept on praying continually and kept on praying for him. And what happened is God sent an angel down and supernaturally the chains fell off him. The door came open and Peter was released from prison by an angel. So they kept on praying. That's why I believe in prayer. Prayer works. Prayer makes a difference. Uh, we spent some time praying here this morning before the meeting started. And every once a month we have on a Tuesday night a prayer meeting here. I want to encourage you to come along sometime because uh, it's, it's a significant thing. And if God is doing anything in our midst, and if he does anything amongst us, it's because someone somewhere is praying. And I, I want to tell you, uh, we are praying, Dell and I are praying uh, for the church. And I want to encourage you to be praying and believing for God to do something great uh, in the church. Okay, the last point, we've talked about believing, speaking what you believe and praying. Last point is when you start praising God. What happens when you start praising God? These are all aspects of spiritual warfare, things the enemy has got no answer for. Um, i tell you what, friends, praising is significant. Praising is powerful. Uh, praising is just singing. It's probably more than singing, but it's singing things that you believe. It's singing and believing at the same time. And I, you know, we could come to church on a Sunday and you could say, well, we're singing a song. I'll just sing the song. Everyone's singing the song. That's not it. That's not enough. It's when you start singing out and declaring what you believe. That becomes powerful. That becomes significant in your, in your life. What happens when you praise? When, when you declare the works of God and the power of God in your situation? I, I believe, friend, what you're doing is you are blanketing your problem. You're blanketing your situation with the language of heaven. Because praise is the language of heaven. And when you, when you declare the goodness of God over your situation, and there's a lot of examples in the Bible of when people did that. They began to praise God in the face of a challenge, a difficulty, and the, the answer came supernaturally. God did something amazing in that life. We sing this song here quite often. In fact, I'm going to ask our creative team to come back now. We sing this song um, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Uh, you, know, you might say, well, what is that about? What are you talking about? It's, it's, it's the same principle. This is the principle that when you've got uh, a problem, maybe you're surrounded by things that you can't resolve, situations that are just too hard, uh, things that, that you don't have an answer for, then you start to praise and you start to lift up a voice uh, for God. The word hallelujah just means actually praise God. Halal is one of the Jewish words for praise. Um, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of Jewish words which mean translated praise in our English language. And the word halal is one of the most profound. It's one of the most common, actually. And you don't, if you just read the English Bible, you don't know what they all are. There's all different words for it. But the word halal, from which we get hallelujah, because jah means God, right? Jah is God. Halal, hallelujah means praise God. But that word halal means um, to praise God 
to rave. Um, <laughs> I think it means like to dance. and It's got all these kind of very, very uh, extroverted meanings. And then it says uh, to, uh, to praise him until clamorous, clamorously foolish. It means just to go all out. It means to not care what anyone else thinks. That's what it means. To praise God until you don't care what anyone else thinks. You might be embarrassing yourself. So what? So what? Because I'll tell you what, that's when the atmosphere of heaven starts to come into your life. So I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I'm going to sing that in a moment. You know, what, what are your enemies? could be sickness. It could be lack. It could be poverty in some situation you're facing. And you just need to stand against that in the name of Jesus and, and begin to raise up a voice against that in your own heart across your finances and your circumstances. It could be relationship breakdown. It could be fear. It might be anxiety. It might be some mental health issue you're facing right now. And, and I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to stand up in a moment and begin to sing this song, I Raise a Hallelujah. Why don't you raise a hallelujah in the face or in the presence of your enemies today, in the presence of things that are standing around you today, wanting to take you out, wanting to pull you down, wanting to rob you of being effective as a, as a believer and a follower of Jesus today. Why don't we stand up? Can we do that right now? And I want to encourage you today just to take God's Word in your mouth today. Take God's Word in your mouth. Start to raise up a voice. Start to raise a song of praise. Not just a song, words, but praise. What you believe in the presence of your enemies today. And see what God does in your situation. Let's sing it.